I'm so excited about where we're going as a church and what we're doing as a church. How many of you guys enjoyed the series we just ended on the Bible the last few weeks? Wasn't that incredible? Hey, um, how many of you guys have joined us in the Bible challenge to read the Bible through in a year? You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not trying to embarrass those of you who are not raising your hand. Um, okay, now just to encourage everybody in the house, how many of you guys have missed a day or two or more? Yeah, so hey, listen, it's just a, it's a, it's a grind, it's a process. Um, want to encourage you, though, if you have not jumped in in the, in the Bible challenge this year, hey, jump in, read the Bible in a year. You would be amazed. The Word of God says that, that it will refresh us, it will renew us, it will instruct us, it will incorrect us, correct us. And the Bible actually gives a description of itself. Jesus is the bread of life. So listen, if you want more life in you this year, Man, dive into God's word. Um, by the way, I said earlier, pastor says hi, and so uh, I'll tell him that you all said hi. But in order for me to do that, we all have to say hi on three. Are you ready? One, two, three. Okay, so we're good. Maybe I'll film that next service and, and make sure he gets to, gets to see you guys. Hey, would you stand as we get ready to read God's word? You can open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Acts chapter 2. Verse 41, open your Bibles to that, or if you've got the YouVersion Bible app, pull it open there as well. Here's what it says. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word, meaning 3,000 people took Jesus at his word. They were baptized, and they were signed up for the cause of the gospel. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, which is communion, and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles. All of the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they, whatever they owned, and they pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal was a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day, their numbers grew as God added those who were saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your wonderful word. God, it is so good. God, it, it, it corrects us. God, it charges us up. It inspires us. It literally gives us what we need, God, to walk through our lives on a daily basis. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' awesome name, would you say a big Amen. You may be seated this morning. Hey, this text that I read to you is probably one of the most famous texts written on community and the early church. <clears throat> the Bible says that these people did a lot of things together as the early church was formed. Luke, the writer, gives us a little window into what the early church did. Here's a few things they did. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. They devoted themselves to meeting in church. They devoted to living life with one another in community. They were devoted in taking communion together. They were devoted in prayer. They shared their meals together. They shared, the Bible says, all things together. They ate together. They celebrated together. They lived in strong biblical community with one another. In our last series that we just finished up on the Bible, the last week, we talked about allowing the, taking the Bible and examining ourselves by the Bible. 
And uh, by the way, we not only do that as individuals, as I'm sure that you do that, uh, we also do that for the organization that we are in charge of stewarding, which happens to be this church. And some of you who are business owners, I'm sure that you are examining your businesses all the time as well. So in our examination of our church, we're often asking the Lord, Lord, help us to show what we need to keep doing. Lord, help us to show what we need to stop doing. God, help us to show us what we need to start doing. By the way, those are three uh, great things that you could ask the Lord about your own life as well. About a year ago, we started looking at our church and trying to see what are we providing our people when it comes to community. We met with different staff members. We met with different leaders and sat down and had coffee with different people in our church to ask them, hey, what are you experiencing as far as community in this church? Are your community needs being met? So a lot of the feedback that we got and a lot of the response that we heard was just a confirmation to the things that we felt that the Lord was putting in our heart. So we weren't really surprised by a lot of these things. So with that, that led us to a brainstorming session because we began to see that there's a hole in our church when it comes to community. It's not happening at its best. So we began to ask ourselves, how can we better do community here at the Grace Place? By the way, we've made many different attempts to provide community through the years. We've offered small groups in some seasons, and we've offered different types of small groups. Currently, right now, we're not doing a a super consistent small group model. But what we were doing is what we had was the care ministry. Many of you guys are familiar with the care ministry. It's a way for us to care for people's needs. One of the components that we had in the care ministry is they would meet once a quarter. And our, in our mind, we thought well, they'd meet once a quarter, and that'll help provide community for people. But here's some things that we learned, and some of you may not be so surprised. You've probably just been waiting for us to figure it out because maybe you already knew some of these things. Here's some of these things that we learned as we started looking at community. First of all, our goal as a church is to be healthier and healthier every year, year over year. We want to be a healthy church. Next, we are married to our mission, caring people, caring for people. Now, how we care, the method that we use to care for people, that's not sacred. That's going to change over time, but the mission will always remain the same. Here's some of the things we learned. Not everybody wants to be in a care group, and that's okay with us. Why? Because many people get care for their own, from their own families and from the communities that they're a part of. So not everybody wants to be in a group. Everyone wants to be cared for, but not everybody wants to necessarily be in a group, and that's okay for us. Here's some of the other things that we learned, is that people want to connect with people that they have things in common with. You're probably sitting there going, well, duh, of course we do. And um, what we were doing in our old group model is we thought, hey, everybody wants to be in a group. So in in our brain, we sat around with a table with a group of leaders, and we just put people in groups that we thought that they would fit well with. That didn't work so well either. So we decided... Let's add some things that aren't working well. Let's pull some things out that, weren't, that are not working good. And let's do what the Lord has in our heart. So what this means for us is it means this. We're going to dissolve the old care ministry model. Some of you guys heard us talk about that last week. We're going to dissolve the old care ministry model. And we're going to create a new care ministry model. We're going to dissolve it from the perspective of get rid of what wasn't working Keep what went well and add some things to make it stronger. Why? Because we want to better care for people here at the Grace Place. So 
in dissolving, we're also going to dissolve the name. So the new name for this ministry is going to be called C Groups. We're going to launch new C Groups in this church. The C stands for care. So the care is not going away. If anyone's like, I want to make sure we're getting cared for. Are we changing our mission? No, we're not changing our mission. We're just changing how we're saying it, and we're changing how we're going to do for it. And here's the vision for these groups. The vision is simply this. It's to provide an opportunity for every person at the Grace Place to experience authentic care and community through C groups. Did you hear me say the word opportunity? Listen, we're not going to force people into groups. This is an opportunity for people to experience care and community if they want it. Now, by the way, I want to encourage everyone to be involved in a group. Why? Because this is the best way that we can pastor you. This is the best way that we can care for you. This is the best way that we can be on top of the needs of your life so we can be actively praying on a daily basis. When I say we, I'm not talking about myself and pastor and this app. I'm talking about the church. This is how the church, this is how as a as an organization, as a large community, we can better care for you. Today, I want to answer some questions about community. The first question I want to answer, somebody say, why community? Why community? Well, thank you for asking that question. Here's why community. Number one, because it's biblical. Community is biblical. We see in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, we see that in our text today, community was the center point, the center focus for how believers cared for one another. That's how believers did life together as the church. Listen, they did many things together. And in this community, it wasn't just the pastors doing the community and providing care. It was the people providing care for one another. They were devoted to church together. They were devoted to doing life together. They were devoted into praying together. They shared every day together. They ate together. They celebrated together. By the way, I love sharing food together. You can eat my food. I love to eat your food. I love especially to eat your home-cooked food. And you probably would love to eat my home-cooked food. It's a lot of fun. We love to share things together. They lived in strong Biblical community. Why community? Because it's biblical. It was how the church cared for one another. I want to pick on the Apostle Paul for a minute. Here's what the Bible did not say about community. By the way, we're going to pick on the Apostle Paul because at this time, he was one of the leading disciples in the church at that time, kind of leading this movement for Christ. The Bible didn't say, Paul taught everyone and everyone did life with Paul because he was the most highest, awesome leader of the church at that time. Everyone went to Paul's house and ate dinner with Paul because his wife was such a good cook. Everyone prayed with Paul. Why, of course, because no one else's prayers counted except for Paul's prayers because he was the most high leader. And nobody shared their celebrations and the joys of life with anybody else in the church. Well, why? Because they shared them with Paul. Because Paul was the only one who could celebrate all of those great things going on in their life with them. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that these people did all of these things together. Let's talk about the role of ministry staff and the role of pastors and leaders. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and 11, it says this, So Christ himself gave himself to the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Okay, so just imagine all those guys as ministry staff, church leaders. Christ gave himself to these individuals for why? The Bible says to equip his people for the work of service. God gave pastors, leaders, and teachers their main role is to equip the church 
for the works of service to equip the church to care for one another, to lead one another, to encourage each other, to pray for one another, to make meals for one another and invite people over to your house and hang out together, to do life together, to share life together. Why? So the body would be built up. Did you know that the main role of pastors and leaders is to train people? The main role is for pastors and leaders to train people for the work of the ministry. I remember when I read that after I'd been in ministry for a long time, it was a big aha for me because I thought, well, it was all about the ministry that I was doing. It was all about me as a new youth pastor getting up and preaching. Come watch me preach. Come watch and see how awesome this youth group is. Come look at the great outreach that we're doing. Come look at how awesome these kids are that I built. And I began to realize it's really not about me at all. I had a little pride issue, by, by the way. It really wasn't about me at all. It was about me equipping people so that they can do the work of the ministry. Let me say it like this. If we don't serve and care for one another, the Bible says, by the way, that's how the church is built up. If we don't serve and care for one another, the church can't be built up. Wow, isn't that kind of crazy? The onus is not just on leaders. The onus is on us. The church is built up when we all rally together and we serve one another. Now, the responsibility is on pastors and leaders to teach you how to serve. Listen, the mission of the church and our church is caring people, caring for people. At the grace place, we care. Why do we do that? Because it's biblical. That's what they did in the Bible. Listen, here's the deal. Why do we need to care? Because we're real people with real problems, with real imperfections. Because we say the wrong thing sometimes. We think the wrong thing sometimes. And we need our brothers and sisters to rally up around us when we're saying and we're thinking the wrong things and help us to get back online, help us to get back on track, encourage us. Listen, here's the crazy thing, is we are plan A for the health of this church. You're God's plan A for the health of the church being built up. You are how he plans on encouraging each other. You are how he plans on strengthening each other. You are how he plans on lifting up needs in prayer by you, by me, by us, the church. Let me ask you this. If somebody has a need in the church to be cared for, who's going to care for them? Let me help you out. Somebody say the church. Us. If somebody needs to be prayed for, who's going to pray for them? The pastor. No, who's going to pray for them? The church. Us. Me. If somebody has a burden to be cared for, who's going to care for that burden? The pastor or us? If somebody needs a shoulder to cry on, who's going to lend a shoulder for them to cry on? Us. The church. If someone needs accountability, are we going to run to the pastor to say, hey, pastor, I need you to go meet with this person because they really need you right now. Or are we going to step up to the plate and provide encouragement and accountability for one another? We're going to do it. The church is going to do it. Who's the church? You and I. Me. Us. We. We are the church. However you want to say it. We are the church. Listen, caring happens through authentic biblical community. As our church has grown through the years from under 300 and now we're scraping the 500 mark more than ever before, our church needs community. Why? Because it's biblical too? Because it's necessary. 
Biblical community is necessary. We said it a minute ago, Ephesians 4.11. It's necessary because the church needs to be built up. And the church won't be built up unless there's strong biblical community for what, together. Community is necessary for what? Growth. Acts 2 and 47. The Bible says in this text when they were talking about community, sharing needs together, sharing meals together, being in each other's homes. The Bible says this as a result of that, people generally liked what they saw. In other words, there was probably some people that really didn't like what they saw either, which is, that's normal, right? Not everybody likes everything. There's going to be some people that love seed groups. There's going to be some people that love community, and there might be some others that are like, I generally like it, but I might not be a part of it. The Bible says as a result of community, every day they grew, and God's church was added to daily. It was community that cared for people. It was authentic community that brought people into the body of Christ. It was authentic community that raised up and lifted people up and built the church. We work really hard at a lot of different things in this church. And one of the new things that we're going to add to our work hard list is making sure we're training people, teaching people, and coaching people when it comes to authentic care and community in a new way. Why community is necessary, it's necessary for our growth, it's necessary also for our health. You guys are all familiar with John chapter 10, verse 10, the last part of the verse says, Jesus came so that we could have what? Life, and life more what? Abundantly. God's whole plan, his whole desire for you and I is that we would have life. What does life do for you? Life grows you, and life brings you health. Without life, you cannot grow, and you cannot have health. That's why Jesus said, I came so that you can have life and life more abundantly. Listen, things that have life grow. Things that don't have life die. It is necessary that we have strong community in this church. Why? So that we can grow and we can be healthy and we can have life. Listen, in community, there's strength. In community, there is health. Can you imagine through community, as you're being encouraged and strengthened, all of a sudden, the areas that you are struggling with, life begins to come into you because of biblical community, and you're emotionally stronger, you're physically stronger, and you're spiritually stronger. Can you imagine that for a minute? I want you to think about the largest hurdle in your life right now. I want you to think about the largest oppositions you have and the things you face on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that are major oppositions. Could you imagine if God's word was true, by the way, it is true, and that as you engage in biblical community, suddenly you will begin to grow personally, not just the church. Suddenly you will begin to have life in areas that you never had life in before, all because you did something as simple as engaging in biblical community. Pretty cool. Listen, freedom doesn't just come from you coming to an altar call and, and you praying, and that's a part. Freedom does come to you that way. But freedom also comes to you when you engage in true biblical community. Listen, healthy things produce. Healthy things produce souls. We will see more souls in this church as people engage in community. We're going to see more people attached to the body of Christ like never before, all because of community. We will see new ministries birthed in here, in this church and outside our community, in your homes, in your workplaces, in schools, all over the community, all because of strong biblical community and people being encouraged. We're going to see more funds flowed into the ministry, all because of biblical community, allowing us to get the gospel out more. Listen, Jesus is all into bringing you life until the day that you're in heaven. Because you won't be perfect until you're there. 
But until then, he will be perfecting you, pouring life into you until you arrive with him. By the way, growth is not just for you. Community is not just for you. You might think, I got great biblical community. Listen, I got great community. I got awesome community. I don't know how, but my wife and I have four or I don't know, four of our best friend couples in the entire planet live in the DFW. I mean, we have some of the most incredible prayer partners right here in this city. They don't even go to this church. Our daughter has, uh, they are all her aunties and uncles. We got strong biblical community with them. She calls some of them her cousins. She calls some of them her sisters. We have strong biblical community with them. But listen, biblical community in this church is not about just my needs. It's about the other people's needs. It's about people who also need community with me. Community is about growing the things and the people around you. Listen, the more you grow, the better you can provide. I want you to think about this for a minute. I remember growing up in ministry. I got saved when I was 18, and then I really got saved when I was 20. I was saved, but I, it was just like that, that season where I don't want to tell anybody I was a believer during those two years because I was just all kinds of junk was getting worked out of me. But I remember when I got real serious about Jesus, I went off to a Bible, Bible training uh, program called Master's Commission. And in this program, I met some of the most incredible people on the planet. And most of our best friends, by the way, came from that ministry program. I met most, some of the most incredible people, and I was one of the older ones coming in as a first-year student at 20 years old. Meanwhile, the new students that I was, would be my co-partners were 17 and 18. And my leaders, I was 20, my, some of my leaders were 18 years old. And I was in this environment, and I was thinking, man, there's a lot of people that are a lot younger than me, that are a lot smarter than me, that are a lot more powerful than me. Man, they are a whole lot more together than me spiritually. And as I began to grow up in ministry as a youth pastor for the first time at 25 years old, I was seeing guys that were my age at 25. I I was a youth pastor at a little church, uh, growing and trying to figure life out, and they were guys my age, pastoring megachurches. Uh, Matthew Barnett was one of the guys during that time. He's just a couple years older than me. He launched this huge, incredible ministry in L.A., ministering to thousands of people. And then there's, a, there's another guy that I started seeing off in the distance later on in life. His name was Joel Stockstill. He had one of the largest youth groups in the nation. And this guy was a couple years younger than me. And I began to wonder, God, I, I want to be like those guys. What's up? Why, 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 why are they so further along than me? They're younger than me. And God said they had a head start. They were born in this thing, buddy. You weren't. You're going to catch up. I'm going to catch you up. But they were born in this thing. I want you to think about this. These guys were born in it. They have health and life beyond. Can you imagine how healthy people are going to be around you as you're born in it and as you mentor and raise people up from the time that they're little? Your kids will have a much better head start than you ever had. The people walking into this church are going to have wisdom as you pour into them and as their new disciples more than you ever had an opportunity. Think about what can happen as we engage in community. Listen, the next thing community is necessary for is growth, health, and authenticity. Somebody say authenticity. Authenticity. That's a fun word to say. Romans 12 verse 9 says this. Don't just pretend to love one another. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other, check this word out, with genuine affection. We can put the word authentic there. Love each other with authentic affection and take delight in honoring one another. Listen, people are looking more than ever before for authenticity. They're looking for an authentic church. 
They're looking for authentic community and an authentic place. Listen, when they engage in life with you, they will either find it or they won't find it. You can try to discern all day long whether somebody is authentic or not. You can try to discern all day long whether a church is authentic or not. But it's not until you get up in their life, get up in the daily works of their life, and see them in their normal environment that you can see, let's pick on me, that you can see if I'm authentic or not. We had a couple come over to our house um, a few months back, and um, they had dinner at our house, and they watched us do homework with our daughter, and they watched us clean homework up, and they, and they watched Eliana not want to finish her homework, and us have to keep her focus, and they saw how we engaged with her, and then they saw how we got dinner ready, and they saw how my wife and I interacted, and they jumped in, and they saw how we set the table, and how we all gathered everybody up, and we just prayed around the table like normal people, and then we all ate together. They watched us clean up, and they watched the process of how we put our daughter to bed, and then we hung out and talked for a while that night, and one of the things they said is this guy said, man, it's really cool to see you in your just normal normal person environment, your everyday environment. I was like, okay. It's important for people to see you in your everyday environment, not just your Sunday best. You know what's funny? If you never get around me in my everyday environment, you think that I look like this and dress like this every day. When you run into me at Walmart or at Home Depot on the weekend like Justin did the other day, if you run into me, uh, I don't think I was wearing this, but if you catch me on a really good day, I'll be wearing my cargo pants that don't match, that are completely outdated, with my river shoes that my wife hates, with a busted up, cut off t-shirt with stains all over it, with my hair undone, just cruising around, and, and man, I don't look anything like this. And you're like, Sean, is that you? What? Who, who is that guy? It's just me in my everyday life. If you drove past my house during the middle of the week, during the summertime, I'd have the, the work boots that Stan gave me with cut off socks on. And a pair of shorts. Get the visual. And a cut-off T-shirt with my clear safety glasses edging my yard. Everyday life. That's just that's me. If you go on a mountain bike ride with me, you'll see how competitive I can be. There's just some when I get on a bike. I, I don't know how to just slow down and relax. It's really hard for me. I got some guys that are coming with me um, on Tuesday mornings, and, and, and it's so hard for me just to chill. It doesn't have anything to do with just there's something like I get on a bike, and I just want to go. I, I love people. It doesn't have nothing to do with love. I, I want to spend time with you, but just something gets in me. I just got to go. And you won't see that part of me unless you get on a bike with me. You won't see the fact that I'm not very competitive when I play softball because I'm not very good at softball. I'm not good at all at softball. I, I, I look like, like I got long legs and it looks like I can run. I can't run. It's like a gazelle out there running around the bases. <laughs> and, and I can't stop very good either. So it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm all clumsy trying to keep my foot on the base. Whoa. But you won't see that part of me unless you come out and watch me or I decide to play on the softball team. Now, I'm not a terrible softball player, but that's because I'm comparing myself to people on a softball team that I play on every once in a while. <laughs> Authentic life. You can see authenticity in people when you get around them. The word authentic has been a buzzword for a very long time, but you know what? It's not an outdated word. 
listen, the, the political scene is all about we want authentic people. And it's really hard to find them these days, isn't it? People are hungry for authenticity. The pastor said last week, people will drive, good quali- drive past good quality churches every day. By the way, there's a lot of great churches in the DFW, isn't there? Have you visited some? God's doing great things in the kingdom in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You can take your pick of churches. You can take your pick of flavor. There's a lot of good stuff going on out there. But I've noticed that people are hungry for authenticity. And sometimes that could be hard to find out there. There's a lot of great authentic churches out there. But sometimes it's hard to find authenticity. People aren't looking just for a good church. They're looking for an authentic church, a healthy church. Here's what a healthy church is. A healthy church has strong biblical teaching. We have strong biblical teaching here. Our pastor obeys the word. He doesn't just try to teach part of the words. He teaches all of the word. We got strong biblical teaching. Here's something else that makes a church strong is healthy, strong, spirit-led worship. Now, when I say spirit-led worship, I'm not talking about everybody shouting and have their hands raised. I'm talking about authentic, genuine, spirit-led worship. That has to do with the people engaging in the spirit. Now, however the spirit moves is however the spirit moves. There's a little course correction there. By the way, excellent worship is not that we're better than everybody else around here. I love pastor's definition of excellence. He says that excellence is doing the best with what you have, the best with your time, the best with your talents, the best with your abilities. Having excellent worship isn't about being better than the church down the street. It's about being, doing the best that you can with what you got. The next thing that makes a church strong is strong evangelism. Last year, as we began to look at our church, we began to notice that the Lord was telling us, we're doing great things for missions overseas, but we're struggling in our own backyard. We're struggling in our own surrounding community. We need to step up the ball in that department. With that, we brought on Delia Burwise, who is leading the charge. Listen, our outreach has never been better than it is right now because of the leadership of Delia. Would you give her a good hand? She loves a good hand. She'll probably kill me. She'll kill me after that. I wish I could say I'm sorry, but I'm not Delia. Um, But she's doing a great job with that. Um, By the way, uh, if you are interested in outreach, we've got a flyer out in the lobby at the Welcome Center with a list of uh, service opportunities and the calendar events for you to check out if you want to be more involved than that. We've got a lot of great stuff going on. A healthy church not only has great teaching, great worship, uh, great in outreach, strong in evangelism, strong discipleship. How many think we do discipleship pretty well? I would say we do it pretty good. Think about our kids' department, Royal Rangers Boys Ministry, Girls Ministry, our girls' discipleship. When we think about the youth department, they've got great things going on on Wednesday. They've got great groups that engage students in discipleship. Think about our Wednesday night adult cultivation classes. We've got great things going on around here when it comes to discipleship. When I think about all the things that build a healthy church, great worship, great teaching, uh, a great evangelism, outreach ministries, great discipleship, we're doing pretty good, guys doing pretty good. Can we do better? Absolutely. Can all of us always do better? Absolutely. I'm not saying we're perfect, but I'm saying we're doing a pretty good job. I would say for the most part, our church is a pretty healthy church. The next building block that we are going to embrace up because it was kind of there, but it was like a broken building block that wasn't really doing what it needs to do. The next building block we are going to add to our church, somebody say community. Community. Listen, I think the more efficient we've gotten as a country and through technology and and through uh, uh, city community and schools and education and programs, the busier we've gotten, the first thing that has dropped off is true biblical community. 
Why? Because people have gotten busy. And the most thing, the thing that is most important is that people go, well, I need to go to church on Sunday. Not realizing that going to church on Sunday and having community is not a priority. It's not one or the other. It's and. I need, I need church and I need community. I can't do one without the other. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with people in our church and have heard this. I love the Grace Place. It is so friendly. I love the people. Man, I love the worship. I, I love it. I just, I feel the presence of God every time I sit in the worship environment. I love that your pastor does altar calls. And, and I love classes on Wednesday night. But just haven't connected with anybody. I'm just telling you just haven't connected with anybody. Now, those of you who are feeling that way, you know that completely. But those of you who have been going here for a long time, and you got your crew, and you're involved in ministry, and you're doing your thing, and you've had the sense that our church is great. It is great. But there's a lot of people who sit in the pews every single week who love our church, but they are going, just haven't connected with anybody. You guys have heard it said, it takes a village to raise a child. Listen, we don't want people just to find good ministry here. We want them to find authentic community so that they can do life with one another. We always encourage people, make sure you attend things like starting point. Make sure you attend things like dessert with the pastor. Because what we have noticed is that people engaged in those few things, they end up connecting. They end up engaging in ministry. But here's something that we are very aware of is that although there are people that get connected through those means, there's still plenty of people who have done those two things and still don't have authentic community. Here's why that bothers me. Because people will eventually leave a church unless they find genuine relationships. I'm not worried about people leaving our church if they find another church where their needs are met. That's great. I want everyone to stay in our church. But how many know there's churches all over this city so that it can facilitate the needs and growth of the gospel. But here's why it does bother me. Because God has called not just the pastors and leaders, but he's called us as a church to be good stewards of what he brings to us. We are to be good managers and good leaders of what the Lord brings our way. And that includes community. And if people leave because a lack of community, the onus comes on our stewardship ability. So, we don't feel bad about that. We say, thank you, Lord, for showing us that. We're going to step up the ball game, and we're going to press into you, and we're going to find out how you want us to do that. With that in mind, what will community look like at the Grace Place? Here's what it's going to look like. The Bible says that the disciples were committed to one another. It will look like a one-year commitment. Somebody say one-year commitment. This is how we're going to begin to do life together. We're going to do a one-year commitment. At the end of the year, the goal is is that groups will multiply to keep up with the growth of our church. The goal is that new leaders will jump on, that new people will be inspired to begin to lead groups. The goal is for other leaders just to continue leading. The goal is for some leaders, this is not said very often in church, for some leaders who are burned out and need a little break, that they pause and they take a little break. And then they get back on the wagon in a year. But then they get back on the wagon at six months. That's what the goal is for these groups. Listen, people will get to choose their own group 
based off of who they naturally connect with, the people that they naturally hook up with in life. It could be because of age. It could be because of the season of your family. Maybe you are married with kids, or maybe you're married, you have no kids. Maybe you're an empty nester. Maybe you're married for 30 years, and you've never had kids. Maybe there's different hobbies or interests that you like. Those are going to be things that people are going to rally together around in community. These groups will be groups of five to eight families. When I say families, I'm talking about married people or individuals. This also can include kids. So let's say, for example, you got five or eight families. Well, when five or eight families get together and there's kids involved, you can have 15 people there. And listen, when you got young families, we're just used to kids running all over the place. That's how we roll. That's all we know. All we know is screams from the other room. Hey, stop. Put that down. You got to share. That's what we know. That's how we do life together. It's not a big deal for us. But if you were shoved in a group under the old system with young families, and maybe you're an empty nester, you're like, "Uh uh-huh, I'm over that. I'm not about to go over to their house and hear their, it's bad enough to hear my own kids. It's bad enough I'm not going over to their house to hear their kids scream and cry all night long. Good. That's what these new groups are all about. You can get in a group with a bunch of empty nesters and no kids. Somebody say, yeah. Listen, during that year, the groups are going to gather to do two things. One, they're going to gather to care for each other. Community groups are going to do two things. One, care for each other, and two, gather with each other. That's in your notes. They're going to care for each other, and they're going to gather together. Here's what we mean when we say care. Listen, in your group, you will care, and you will be cared for. Everybody. In the old model, it was more about the care minister caring for all the people, and everyone like, you know, care for me, help me, care. That was the other model. I'm totally kidding. I was just having fun. Y'all weren't doing that, but that's what the model was. In this new model, we care for each other. We help each other. We care for each other's needs. Yes, it will take a leader to lead in that, but we're all going to care for each other. Here's what that looks like. You will all support each other in the hard times. You will all gather around and rally around one another when someone loses a job. You will gather and rally around one another when somebody loses a loved one. When somebody needs emotional support, we will care because that's what we do. We will show up to the hospital when somebody's sick. We will love them when people pass. Listen, we will call people and reach out to people when they're missing from our community group events. Why? Because we care and maybe they're wandering. Maybe they're not wandering off, but maybe they just need a phone call from you. In caring, we will celebrate our life events together, like birthdays, like new babies, like wedding showers, like answered prayers and miracles that we all know about. We will celebrate those things. Then, after we care, well, that's just what happens. When we care, then we'll gather. What will our gathering look like? Our gathering's going to look like this. We'll gather once a month. We're going to call these gatherings First Sundays, all right? That way, at the Grace Place, when we say, Hey, folks, it's First Sundays. We got people gathering all around the city and community. If you're not in a C group, we want to encourage you. Jump on the website. Find a group that fits the need for you and your family and your life and jump into community because that's where people grow. Doesn't that sound good? So, but by the way, if you can't meet on a Sunday, that's okay. We understand that. Just pick another day during the first week of the month that works for your group. Because here's what we've noticed. Not everybody can meet on Sunday nights, and that's okay. But we just want to use that as our mantra. So we got people meeting all through the city during the first week of the month. All right. How long will these groups meet? 
Groups will meet for about an hour and a half, depending on the activity. If they're out doing a bike ride with Randy, they might meet, meet for two or three hours. But if you're in someone's home, you're going to be there for about an hour and a half. Why? Because families, they got to go, go to work in the morning. They got to put their kids to bed. Why? Because families got to clean up after y'all leave. By the way, true community all rallies together, and we clean up together. <laughs> Look, don't be one of those folks that go up to people's house and be like, oh, yeah, I love this food. Mm. It's so good, yeah, uh-huh, and then go and sit down on the couch while everyone else is running around cleaning up. Can I get an amen from the ladies and those of you who are the clean-up people? They're like, please, Lord, help us. Where are we going to gather? We're going to gather in homes, restaurants, parks, places of interest, wherever you want. Gather wherever you want. We're not telling you you have to have community in your home. So have community together with people. What are we going to do during this community time? Here's what we're going to gather for. One, we're going to gather for fun. What does a community time look like? It looks like a game night. It looks like a potluck. It looks like a Super Bowl party. It looks like an activity around a sport. It looks like serving together, maybe at a nursing home or serving at the Arlington Mansfield Pregnancy Center with our local outreach. It maybe could look like joining and serving together at one of our large Grace Place outreach events like the Grace Day or the Fall Festival or possibly maybe a community Easter egg hunt one of these days. I don't know. But maybe it could look like one of those things. Why fun? Here's why fun. Because we're not solving the need for more Bible teaching and more discipleship. We got that going on. We are solving the need for authentic community. We get really spiritual when we have the Bible teaching and we get all that stuff. I'm talking about authentic community, straight up. I want to see you yell at your kids. I want to see you be like, shut up, get back in your room. I'm kidding. We're going to see the real you. Listen, if that's all people are yelling at their kids and they need to learn how to respond correctly to their kids, well, they need to get around some of you that'd be like, mm. Mm. There's, a, there's another way to do everything. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to pray. Each group will close out every time, no matter what the time is, with what we're going to call high-low. It's an opportunity to gather together as a small group, about the last 20, 30 minutes of your group, and say, hey, let's talk about the best of the best that happened last month and the worst of the worst that happened last month. We're going to celebrate with you on all the great things that are going on in your life, and we're going to pray you through on the tough things that are going on in your life. And there might be somebody who shares something, and you might go, you know what? Let's, let's circle back on that next week. Let's have coffee. I want to connect with you because there might be something that somebody needs more than just a monthly connection. And, and here's what will happen. Natural relationships will begin to build out of that. And when people say they're looking for community, here's what they're looking for. They're looking for somebody in the middle of the week when they're off and there's nothing going on in their life. It's that buddy that they're going to go, oh, psh, I'm calling Randy. Hey, Randy, what are you doing? Let's go on a ride. Oh, hey, girl. That was perfect time. Hey, girl. What you, going, what you got going on? Let's go hit up some bucks. But if you don't have authentic community, you'll never call that person to go out to bucks with you. If you're just a Sunday high and by, hey, brother, hey, sister, God bless you. I pray for you at the altar call. Great having cultivation class with you. Mm-hmm. Great girl. <laughs> you know, if that's all you got going on, you will never call them in the middle of the week. Listen, when life is upside down for you, y'all can't get over that, can you? Sorry. That's just what I do. I can't help it. Don't try to fix me. I, I'm, mess, I'm messed up. I'm a chameleon. You just put all the right people around me, and I will start acting like everybody. That's just what I do. It's a wonderful gift to bind. Listen, here, let's talk about some opportunities as we're closing and landing the plane this morning. Here's the great leadership opportunities that C Groups provides. 
Because these groups have two different elements, one element of care and a second element of community, because there's two different elements, one leader can do both things or two people can lead a group together, okay? So, for example, in, in the care ministry model, you've got somebody who cares. That's what they do. You might say, I don't really have the time to provide community or I don't have the gifting to provide community, but I'm really good at caring. Good. Well, we'll find somebody that you naturally connect with that can help do that community piece for you and, ta- and, and manage that once a month gathering for you, right? So two people can lead a group together. Or maybe one person can say, I got the gift to do gatherings, but I'm not really good at caring because I don't really like people. Does, does anybody want to like connect with me? I'm joking again. Does anybody want to connect with me and we go lead a group together? What does this mean for those of you who are in a care group? This means there's a fresh opportunity for you to join with a group of people that you naturally connect with. What does this mean for you who are not in a group? I said it earlier. There's many people at the Grace Place who say, I love this church, but I don't have community. This is a great opportunity for you to step up and reach out and jump into community. Listen, community doesn't happen on accident. Listen, there's no perfect way for doing this. We met with the leaders and we were talking with them about ways to gather people into new groups. And we talked about leaders going in and inviting people into their group. And then we started thinking, well, if somebody doesn't get invited, then their feelings are going to get hurt because they didn't get invited. So then we're like, okay, well, let's not invite everybody. Let's just tell everybody, jump into a group. Guys, there's no perfect way to do it. If your feelings are going to get hurt because you don't get invited to a group, find the person that you like and go tell them you want to be in their group. Tell them you want to be in their group. Let's just, there's no perfect way to do it. Let's just jump in. Let's be the best we can be and let's do our part. 